Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Yeah. My father-in-law always used to say from this stage, there's no better place to be than in God's house. And City of Life, in his opinion, was the best church in the world. And I tend to agree. I tend to agree. So excited to be here. Lou was talking about honor. I can't, I can't start without honoring uh, my senior pastors, Pastor Jeff and Amy, founding pastors, Dr. Gary and Janice. Love you guys so much. So thankful for, for your voice, not only in our family's life, uh, but also in our church's life. We're so thankful for you, and we love you very much. My family's here, too, and I'm just so excited that you guys are here. Uh, my parents are so boss status. They, I mean, when I think about it, they are first-generation Christians. They got saved in their 20s. Um, they, they came here to the States not knowing any English, literally. They said yes to the call, and literally, I'm here because of them. So I love you guys so much. Thank you. I honor you. I love you. Love you, babe. My wife is there in the front. Love you. Love you guys. Love you all so much. Um, also, uh, before I get started, too, I know we've talked about it a lot, but I, I cannot not talk about next week, which is heart for the house. You know, giving is at the center and at the core of God's heart, and it needs to be at the center and at the core of your heart as well. Um, and I was talking to actually another family member, uh, my, my wife's cousin, Alex, the other day. He's sitting right there, too. Love you, man. And um, he just said something that just really touched my heart because he said, you know, the past few years when I've come and give something for Heart of the House, I was always expecting something specific financially. He goes, man, this year, I honestly, I just am giving a gift of thanksgiving. I just want to give a gift of thanksgiving because God has been so good. So whether you're giving a gift of thanksgiving that day and preparing your heart for that, or whether you're expecting something specific financially, which is okay, come ready next week. It's going to be a big, big Sunday. Are you guys ready to get into the Word? Well, hey, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. And this is going to be the NIV version. So you can turn in your Bibles there, or I see a lot of people grabbing their phones, and that's okay too. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. And it says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change, come on, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I remember when I was a child, and I remember being specifically in school, and maybe this happened to you guys too, someone gets in trouble in school, right? A specific kid. And the teacher starts to reprimand them, you know? And what do all the kids do in this moment? Ooh, <laughs> you're in trouble, right? And I feel like this moment in scripture paints that same picture. Because the disciples are asking Jesus this question, 
And once he gives that answer, me, at least me, and maybe you can say that same thing. Ooh, the disciples are in trouble. Why? Why? Because the disciples asked this question to Jesus, and Jesus' response to them is him knowing the real reason that they're asking this question. He flips the script on them in a way they weren't expecting. And the title to this message today is, Who is the Greatest? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to dive into your word, Lord. Your word is powerful. Your word is wonderful. We have the privilege of being able to read and speak from your word, Lord Jesus. So I'm just praying today, Lord, that it not be me, Lord. Less of me and more of you, Lord Jesus. Open hearts to receive, Father. Open hearts to receive. Soften hearts today, Lord Jesus, to receive not of me and what I'm saying, Lord Father, but of you. Your name is big, Lord. And just like Samuel was used to say on this stage, Lord, ni en el cielo ni en la tierra hay un nombre más grande que el nombre del Señor. Amen, 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 amen. So out of all the things that Jesus could have told us to be, he told us we need to be like a child. He could have told us that we needed to be like an MMA fighter, right? Or an Olympian, right? Maybe a millionaire or something big. We can even go more practically and say he could have told me I need to be a great accountant or, or a good carpenter, right? He could have said I needed to be an amazing father or son or wife or husband or whatever, but he didn't say that. He said we needed to... to to be like little children. So I, I asked myself, man, why? why? Why like a child? And the reality is, is because if there was anything that the disciples did not want to be like, it was like a child. Children in this time had no voice. They were defenseless. Pastor Jeff was just talking with me in the back too. He was saying, you know what? What's, what's curious is that in the miracle of the fish and the loaves of bread the children weren't even included in that count. They weren't even included in that count. So there was a lot more people there. The disciples, a lot of the times they even shooed kids away when kids were trying to get to Jesus. And in this verse, verse 1, the disciples are asking Jesus, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they aren't asking this so that they can be better people or, or better disciples. They're asking it strictly for status purposes. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you've asked questions like this to Jesus. Maybe you've said, Lord, you know, what, when, is, when, is, when is my big break coming? Lord, when, when am I going to start seeing the hard work that I've been doing in my bank account? When am I going to preach or, or when is my voice going to be heard? Maybe you're asking self some, yourself some of these questions too. Questions that really, they have... Nothing to do with, with advancing the cause of Jesus or, or helping other people necessarily. Sure. They have to do with advancing yourself and making yourself higher. The question that the disciples asked to the Lord is, is a disguised one, really. What, what can I do to be better, Lord? But Jesus sees the true intent, which is what can I do to get more? What can I do to get more? Maybe you can relate to that. 
Jesus in this moment, like so many moments with the disciples, is like, no, you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand what you're asking. You see this child? This child that you place no value in. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you need to stop thinking about your position. You need to stop thinking about your possessions. And you need to start thinking about your posture. Amen. Can you remember what it was like when you were a child? This, this need to be included in everything. I have a, a brother. He's sitting there. He's eight years older than me. And I remember distinctly as a kid always wanting to be around him. Always wanting to like play basketball with him and, and be around his friends. And he's a good brother. I mean, he would take me sometimes, right? But the reality is, is that I was a little kid. The responsibility of having me around is, is a lot. He's got to make sure that I'm okay. And I remember, too, I mean, I got Spanish parents. So, like, you know, when they were doing important things or at, at a dinner or, or maybe working, and I'm, I'm trying to get their attention, and they give the Spanish, like, you know, hold, hold on. And I'm a parent, too, so I, I'm guilty of it. I mean, some, sometimes my kids want all my attention. They want, they want my everything. They want my all, and sometimes I just can't give it, Right? So this wasn't something that was just back then in society. I mean, it's not as bad now, but even in today's society, children are often overlooked. They tend to be not heard or recognized. Aren't you glad, though, that Jesus doesn't have the same scale of importance as we do? That's why he calls us to be like a child. Because what he sees as important, we tend to overlook. We can learn a lot from a child, though. Jesus values childlikeness. Enough to say that in, in this verse, to inherit the kingdom of heaven, we, we need to live with it, right? What does greatness in God's eyes look like? What are some steps that we can take to get closer to living in the greatness of God? There's three aspects of a child that I want to focus on that can point us towards greatness that I'd like to talk about today. And the first one is Submission. Submission leads us to greatness. Now, uh, I, I know we honored the veterans today, and I, and I love you guys. So thankful for you. Uh, is there any uh, Marines in the house? Any former Marines? Come on. Simplify. Hoorah. Last, last, uh, last service, there was only one, and I was so thankful because I was like, dang, there's not going to be any, any Marines here. I'm outnumbered. But we're so thankful for, for your service, for all, all the people that served in the military. And you guys can relate to this story, right? So in the military, when you first join, at least in the Marine Corps, your first rank is private. You go in, and you are the lowest on the totem pole, right? Everyone who outranks you is your boss. You have absolutely no authority, right? And... Uh, the reality is, is that as a kid, the only authority you have is that given by you by your father. The only authority you have as a child is the authority given to you by your father. And the younger you are, the less authority you have, right? A baby, they, they can't tell themselves what to do. They can't do anything without their father's authority. They can't eat. They can't sleep. They can't do anything, right? And 
uh, any baby wise parents? Anybody know Becoming Baby Wise? Come on. Did you read the book? Any new parents out there? Hey, I recommend the book. It's great. If you, if you, <laughs> if you appreciate your sleep, you need to read that book. But uh, that book preaches the, the feed, wake, sleep method in a baby. And it's because the parent dictates what authority the child has in, for everything in their life, right? And as they get older, they get a bit and bit more authority. But they wouldn't know what to do with all the authority if you gave it all at once. That's the reality of the matter. And in turn, the only spiritual authority that we have is given to us by our Heavenly Father, right? When we recognize that we're nothing without Him, and that the only way to heaven is through the authority that we have in Him, then we can truly tap into what Jesus is saying in this verse. Then we can truly take the lowly position of a child. Then we can truly inherit the kingdom of heaven. My prayer every day, every day, is less of me. Lord, less of me and more of you because there's nothing good in me. Lord, the only good that can come through me comes from you, Jesus. And when I recognize that, when I recognize that, I can truly tap in to what this verse is saying. So you can have position without authority. You can also have authority without position. We're all called to please our Father. And if we focus on that, we can claim the only authority that matters. The authority given to us by God. And placed in our lives through our humility. You see, submission sounds like it would take us away from having authority. But aren't you glad that the kingdom of heaven doesn't work like this world? We don't follow the same rules as this world does. And the opposite of submission is defiance. And if you're wondering how you can tell the difference, here's a couple of little nuggets for you. Submission is content. Defiance is never satisfied. Submission is slow to speak. Defiance always needs to be heard. Submission releases control. And defiance is always looking to control something. (laughs) Amen. Submission serves first. Defiance takes always. Submission allows you to be great. But who is the greatest? Innocence is the next thing I want to talk about. Innocence can lead you to greatness, and a child is naturally innocent, right? I mean, you saw in this video what beautiful answers they were giving. I think Ava said something to the effect of, like, what what is a miracle? It's something that only God can do. How, How beautiful is that? The innocence of, of, of that, that tends to, as life and circumstances come, be skewed in our lives. Yeah. But a child doesn't see that. Right. When, you, when you speak to a child, when you speak in their life, they believe. They believe. Yeah. They have faith. Amen. Yeah. And they have an innocence to them. Do you remember a time in your life when you thought everyone was good and everything was good? When you thought that evil only came in, in fairy tales and in movies, right? 
For some of us, that illusion lasted longer than for others. But I remember distinct moments in my life where my innocence began to be chipped away. Sometimes by specific choices I made or sometimes by circumstance. But I remember losing pieces in each of these moments of my innocence. And maybe you can remember a moment in your life where your innocence was chipped away at. Or maybe in your life it wasn't just chipped. It was chunks taken away of your innocence in certain periods of your life. We don't have the luxury to not know what we know. Live what we've lived. We can't go back in time and reclaim our innocence. So what do we do? We, how do we tap into this, this childlike innocence? We got to renew our minds daily. Just like Paul said in the Bible. This verse says that unless we change and become like children, that means that Jesus knows that we've grown out of this state already. He knows we're not children. But he also makes us aware that we need to renew our childlike perspective daily. Being a child doesn't come naturally to us. We were children, but then life happened and we grew up. And Jesus is saying, renew the child in you. Renew your innocence. And what is innocence? It's a lack of deceit or corruption. It's purity. And we can renew our innocence by staying true to our convictions in Jesus. Remove deceit and corruption from our lives. Does that mean that, that we have to be perfect? No. No, no. It doesn't mean that. It means that we have to strive to be better daily. Kids, they, they have no filter, right? Maybe you have a kid like that, like you're walking down the street and you see like someone with braces on and they're like, what is that? <laughs> or you, you see like a, a, a bald person and they're like, daddy, why don't they have any hair? Right? <laughs> they tell the truth to a fault. And the reality is, is that a child doesn't feel the need to deceive because of the innocence that they carry inside of them. The older we get, though, the further we stray away from our childlike innocence. We need to renew it. Even though a child is born in sin, they're not aware of sin. And as time goes on and we get older, we lose our awareness for sin. In turn, we lose our innocence. We need to increase our awareness of sin and innocence. It allows you to be great, but, but who's the greatest? Who is the greatest? Trust is the last thing I want to talk about. Trust leads us to greatness. And there's this story that my father-in-law always tells about him and, and my wife when she was younger. He used to bring her home or he used to come home every day from work, and he used to put her up on top of the kitchen counter. And he used to say, Vente, come on, come here, I'm going to catch you. I got you, come on, trust me, trust me, I got you. And it took a, a few days for her to finally gain confidence, right? But on that, on that one day, when he put her up there on that counter, he couldn't say it fast enough, and she jumped, and he wasn't ready. But he caught her. He did catch her. Why? Why did she have so much trust in her father? What made her trust her dad so much? 
Why did she jump? She jumped because she had never fallen before. She'd never gotten hurt or broken a bone while trying to jump. A child hasn't been let down or believed in something so much that didn't pan out. They have a fresh faith. We need to start living life like we've never been let down before. And I know, I know, that's easier said than done, right? But I believe that that's what God is calling us to in this verse. Change and become like a child. Change and become like a child. We're not naturally that way. But we need to start believing again. If we remember that God is for us and not against us, we can realize that his purpose is greater than our outcomes. I'm going to say it again. If we remember that God is for us and not against us, we can realize that his purpose is greater than our outcomes. You see, because, yeah, amen. Amen. Outcomes may vary, but our faith that he wants what's best for us must remain constant. The beginning of this verse says that Jesus called a little child to him. And could you imagine being that child, the child that that Jesus called to him? I mean, like, you know, he had to have known who Jesus was or at least that he was a person of importance And he obviously knew, the child obviously knew their status in society. And Jesus is saying, come here, come here. There had to be some level of trust there. Some level of trust and comfort in Jesus. Do you have it? Do you have that trust in your heavenly father? Do you have that trust in Jesus? That he's for you and not against you. That no matter the outcome... He loves you. That he wants to, to, to champion you in your life. <laughs> A child is trusting naturally, but as trust begins to be broken in their lives, trust can diminish, and it's difficult to get back. Really, the only way to get it back is through Jesus. It's the only way. Trust doesn't exempt us from the fear of stepping out and answering the call of Jesus. It doesn't even exempt us from things possibly not working out. However, trust allows you to open the door to the possibility that God has something big in store for you and that you're gonna have to trust him to accomplish it. Amen. Trust allows you to be great, but who is the greatest? What's crazy about this verse is that Jesus had already done the very thing that he was asking the disciples to do. He had already done the very thing that he's asking us to do. Jesus came to this earth as a child. He chose to humble himself in the lowest and most vulnerable form possible. And if anyone had the right to not humble themselves, it was Jesus, all powerful, 
all-knowing, all-present, all the time. And at that time, the disciples didn't know what Jesus was going to do for them. But we know in this moment what Jesus has already done for us, right? We know that Jesus not only humbled himself, he came down as a child. Exactly what he asked his disciples to do. Exactly what he asked us to do. He humbled himself and he died on that cross for my sins, for your sins. Submission, innocence, and trust leads us to greatness, but they don't make us the greatest. So who is the greatest? Jesus is. There's no other answer. We can be great, but only he can be the greatest. When we put him in his rightful place of honor, when we let him work through us, then we could inherit the kingdom of heaven today. Our portion of greatness through him, always through him. I think the disciples missed that truth. I think we miss it a lot too, I know I do. But can we humble ourselves today? Can we recognize that we should be saying daily less of me, more of you, Lord? Can we ask him to renew the childlike innocence in us? Can we truly trust him to do it? Only with him at the center, only with him being the greatest can we accomplish these things. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your life. Put, put him in, in his rightful place. I know our family just walked through one of the toughest times ever in my life. Losing my father-in-law, my mother-in-law losing her husband, my wife losing her dad, my kids losing their grandfather. But talking about it with my wife the other day, I, I said, I, I, don't, I don't know how someone can do something like that without Jesus. I don't know how someone can go through something like that without Jesus. Jesus is the greatest. He is the greatest. But without him, who are we? Who are we? So I'm asking you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never accepted Jesus in your life, never accepted him in your heart. Put him in his rightful place. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want you to lift your hand with boldness, knowing that this is a decision that's going to change your life, that you're never going to be the same. One, I believe that God brought you here, not on accident, on purpose. You're here for this appointed time for a reason. Two, now is the time for salvation. Now is the time for salvation. Tomorrow isn't promised. And three, hands lifted now. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if everyone can repeat this prayer after me. Lord, you say in your word that if I call on your name, I'll be saved. I'm calling on your name, Jesus. You are the greatest. I'm putting you in your rightful place. Less of me, more of you in this life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for my forgiveness. From now on, it's going to be Jesus first and Jesus always. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.